Welcome to That Tattoo Show, hosted by me, Paul Talbot and Chris Harrison. Each month we sit down and discuss current tattoo topics, including how the internet, social media and technology in general have changed the challenges facing the modern day tattooists in an informal, down-to-earth way that's aimed at artists of all levels and abilities. That Tattoo Show is made possible with the support of Electrum Supply. Head over to www.electrumsupply.com and pick up some industry-leading tattoo products for your next tattoo. That's when you know it's a proper podcast, when you have to say like... And so you know it's a proper podcast. Yeah. I'm really aware that this, this first one, this is the first one we've done when we knew it was going to have an audio component to it as well. So yeah. we're, we're, all, we're both sort of sitting here going, oh, we have to rethink a little bit of this, you know, for the guys that are just listening. We'll have to do a bit more describing what's going on, I think. Yeah. But anyway, what I wanted to talk to you about this week, mate, is, as you know, a couple of weeks ago, I went down to Brighton for the Tattoo Sunny Brighton. Well, sunny Brighton. It wasn't sunny when you went down, was it? <laughs> no, mate. It was the worst Stormy weather for Brighton. 100 years. But it's the first convention I've been to for three years. Fuck. It felt like doing my first convention all over again. And the guys that came with me, so Sam came with me to work, uh, Beth came with me, and Gage came with me. Full crew. Uh, obviously, all the guys from the shop were there. Uh, I didn't do any tattoos because I was worried that my anxiety was just going to go through the roof and I wasn't going to be able to do it. So I thought I'd ease myself into it and just have a bit of a wander around and annoy my mates for the weekend. But one of the things I noticed, Chris... I think there's been a cultural shift in tattooing that's really... And I don't know if the pandemic has accelerated it or whether this was just coming or maybe that because England is now not part of Europe and it's a little bit more troublesome to travel still at the moment and when you do travel, you, you're now going to need some kind of work visa to come to the UK if you're in Europe. I don't know if the that maybe that helped shift the dynamic... But the thing I noticed, man, and you'll, I'm sure you'll find this a weird one, I actually think that female tattooists might have outnumbered male tattooists was the first thing that I noticed. Mm. And the other thing that I noticed was the convention was considerably more diverse. That's good. And all these are really positive things. You know, don't go thinking, I think this is negative. I think this is incredibly positive. The other thing that I noticed is of all the female tattooists that were there working... Most of, of them were dressed like Billie Eilish and not strippers, which is what we're traditionally used to. You know what I mean? That girl, oh, Unfortunately, the girls feel like they, they have to do that to kind of fit in in this very male world. Yeah, I never really got, I never really understood that. I never really understood why they felt that they needed to dress a certain way to stand out because you know, realistically all that matters is the quality of your work. Like. Well, I mean, I think it's... Look, let's, let's be honest, Chris. For as long as girls have got bottoms boys will look at them. That's true. <laughs> Let's be honest. I mean, come on. But what I thought was really good, I mean, obviously both me and Chris are dads and we both got daughters. Yeah. And I think when you're a dad with a daughter and my daughter's 20 and I see the world slightly differently now that I've got a daughter um, and I was really pleasantly, I guess a little bit surprised, but what, what I thought was really nice was that, you know, all the, the younger female tattooists are walking around you know, in hoodies and, you know, and that, that might be fashion, I guess. I don't know. But I I sort of came away from it thinking this convention, A, the convention was absolutely brilliant and rammed. So I'm not concerned about the future of tattoo conventions. The good ones are going to stay. If you've got a good yeah. tattoo convention, you, you're you okay because the numbers were massive. It was brilliant. But 
it seems in the two or three years that we've been away from it and we haven't been able to have conventions, I do think the landscape has changed a little bit. And I wonder yeah, if I... it's because the young people coming into tattooing, they're not coming through, you know, we've talked about this a bunch of times, they're not coming through necessarily through the traditional, you know, apprenticeship route. No. They're teaching themselves to tattoo online and getting the, as much information as they can to, you know, to get there. And then as they're arriving in the tattoo scene, they're bringing a different attitude with them that is less the, you know, the old school shop culture. And they're bringing a different thing. And I just think it's really, I come away from it feeling really positive, like tattooing's going in a great direction. Do you think, and people are going to probably slate me for saying this, but do you think it's got to the point now where, you know, you, you've always got like a lot of people and very much in America, not so much in the UK and Europe, but very much in America, um, it's all about tradition, tradition, tradition. You have to do a traditional apprenticeship. You have to do this. You have to do that. And do you think that it's now, it's shifting from that to people going, why? At a point in time where I can sit in my house and do a degree on the online, why do I need to be traditional? Why does it have to have tradition? And are people holding on? Like, I get that you should hold on to your history and your tradition. You know, we do it as, you know, part of your culture and everything. You know, part of your religious, just part of your religion. You hold on to your history and your past. But at some point, you've got to evolve. And I think this could be the evolution of tattooing where they're going, do you know what? We, we respect that that shit happened, but is it really relevant now? No, it's not. Not really, to them. Do you mean they might be like, well, that's not really relevant anymore because the world has changed. You used to have to phone up somewhere and order your food. Now you just go and just eat and it's like, bang, you can order whatever the fuck you want. And we're not sponsored by Just Eat. I'm just using that as an example. But Other delivery exactly. services are available. Are available. But you know what I mean? It's like I know what you mean. Everything evolves, everything changes and, and, and society changes, moves forward. There are, uh, there's more information readily available for people. So, like, why do they need to do that? And then that's where you're going to get that cultural change and that shift in attitude with new, these new tattooists. Well, see, I think the cultural argument doesn't hold water. Tattooing is an art form, yeah. right? And art forms change. And different people bring different artistic ideas to the art form. Like, I think that the whole idea of the culture and the history of tattooing... Back in the day, like if you're in the 1920s or 30s, then a lot of these people, like we talked about this um, a couple of weeks ago, what would happen is the apprentice would be taught by their teacher, but then the apprentice would inherit the shop. Yeah. And that was kind of how it works. Because that's no longer part of the, the kind of deal, that tattoo master, if you like, or mentor, would then teach that person to draw first. Yeah. And then would teach them to tattoo and would teach them every element of it. They, you know, you would get into tattooing with absolutely no drawing skills. The kids that are coming into tattooing, they don't need to learn to draw because they've already taught themselves to draw or they've gone to college and learned to draw. Yeah. Realistically, they just need to know the equipment. I would argue... That 
the reason you would do an apprenticeship is that you can learn to tattoo faster. Yeah. You can assess the problems and solve them on an, a day-to-day basis rather than, you know, you might have a problem with your tattooing and you need to solve it, but before you can solve it and get the answer, you need to know what the fucking question is. So then you have to figure out what the question is so that you can then search for it and then you get different bits of advice and you don't know who's the expert in this because somebody's told me to do this and somebody's told me to do that. And there's a lot of time burnt trying to figure out why is it not working for me? Whereas a mentor can go, you're holding the tattoo machine wrong or that's not the correct needle for that or you're not using the ink in the correct way to get that kind of effect. I mean, that's why we all talk to our peers. We go to tattoo conventions and and we chat about this stuff. Yeah, because that's... You you do it later on, but looking back now, like when I... So when I first got into tattooing, like, I tried to get an apprenticeship. I ended up getting one, and I didn't do it for that long. But, like, when I look back at that apprenticeship, I wasn't sat down, and I wasn't taught about the history of tattooing. Do you mean? No. I wasn't taught about the history of tattooing, right? I was taught tattooing as a trade. Yeah. And the guy was like, right, this is how you make a stencil. This is how you do this. This is how you do that. There was no history. Like, anything to do with the history of tattooing, I've kind of, like, learnt on on the fly as I've gone along. But then at the same time, it's like, it's all relative to where you are. Yeah. Again, Americans are going to probably be like, what the fuck? Like, I, I never knew who Paul Rogers was for ages because guess what? He ain't Welsh. Do you know what I mean? So why would I have been taught about that? I, I was, I was taught about like Mickey Sharps. Yeah, exactly. British, it's all relative, right? So yeah, it's a- But my other argument with that is if you, if you take the tattoo history and you lock it away, for, for only those that have walked the the correct path, as, as it were, you know, that people believe this is the only path, so you only get to learn these things if you do this. What you're basically ensuring is that the culture's going to disappear. Yeah, you're keeping the culture to, to non-existence. Like. When I started learning to tattoo, it didn't matter how many hurdles you put in my way, I was going to tattoo no matter what, right? It didn't matter to me. Yeah. You can't be down on younger people going, well, all these older people won't teach me to tattoo, but I can buy a tattoo machine from Amazon and teach myself. So, like, fuck it, I'll do that. Yeah. Now, that's only what we would have done. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what's interesting as well? The same people that will gatekeep tattooing and will say to people, like, you, you know, we, we would say we'll look down upon those new generation of people, right? Those same people are the ones that are not for the advancement of tattooing. So, yeah. for example... Like, and I always bring this up, in Wales, they've gone through this whole system where they're changing the tattoo regulations. Part of it is you have to do an infection prevention and control course. Another part of it is you have to have a criminal background check. Now, when you've got tattooists then going, what, what do you mean you have a criminal background check? He's like, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is about public safety. So they want to see if you've been charged with sexual assault or whatever, you know, they, whatever the requirements are. So those, So the same people that aren't, willing to acknowledge this new generation of tattooers that are learning on YouTube and everything. They're the same ones that are not willing to help tattooing progress. Yeah. But I guarantee you this younger generation will be the ones that are going like, fuck it. Yeah. Do you not think, though, that with some of that, you know, the people that you're talking about that are gatekeeping and saying you can't do this and you can't do that, I think a lot of that is a bit like politics where the system 
only exists to maintain the system. And it's all about let's maintain the status quo so that those of us that are in the higher end of this can continue to make our money yeah. and, can, and, and, and we'll hang on to this and keep it the way we want it. But from what I've seen, certainly if Brighton is an indicator, and it may not be, it might have just been an anomaly, but if Brighton is an indicator, that I think the the attitudes that younger people are bringing with them and the demographic of people is definitely shifting. I think it's much better for tattooing yeah, because 100%. you've got a much more diverse set of artists, male, female, from all yeah. different kinds of colours and creeds. That means that you're going to have all these different artistic influences, you know, poured into it culturally that are going to change the shape of tattooing. And they treat themselves differently. They treat other people differently. There's a different attitude towards mental health, about oh, being, yeah. you know, a, a different religion or colour or, you know, maybe you've got a different sexuality. Then all the younger people are so much more... Like, just all right with all that sort of stuff. I think you know? tattooing is... But I think that's got to be better for tattooing. It's got to be better. I don't know, right, if I got into tattooing, you know, or, or if the I just managed to get in with a group of people within tattooing that are just acceptable, you know, or accepting of everyone, because I've never really noticed any issues like that with, with tattooing. To be honest with you, neither have I. I've, I've seen a couple of people that that are like that, that obviously are not part of my circle of friends. The, the, the problem is that, you know... Oh, I tell a lie. I tell a lie. One person, I found out one person was like that, who was, you know, a bit of a... Uh, I don't want to say what they are, because I'm not going to say who they are, but it's safe to say that the the moment I found out the kind of person they were, that I cut all ties with them. Well, I mean, I mean that's the thing, though, isn't it? I'm not surrounded by homophobes and racists because I find them to be, you know, the, the kind of people that I want to kill to be honest with you, and I'm so against that kind of thing. So obviously I don't I don't have people around me that are like that, so I don't hear a lot of it because your circle of friends are going to be people that are like you yeah. because we build our circle of friends out of people that are like us. I think so for me, hides, I don't see a lot of that. You they, know? Sometimes they hide in plain sight, don't they, and then they let something slip out and you're like, ooh, okay, I didn't expect you to say that. But do you know what? I was just thinking, when you said about the convention as well, like, it just made me, reminded, reminded me of when, I, I think the last convention I worked was the Tattoo Freeze. Yeah. The last tattoo convention I worked, right, was the first tattoo convention I'd worked in a long, long time. You know, since we've had Harley and everything like that. And even when I went in there, I, I seen the only people, right, I recognised in that convention were the people running it. <laughs> I walked in there and I was just like, fucking hell. I was like, I don't know anybody. Oh, I tell a lie. There was a, a group of a group of tattoos that I know, but generally, like I used to be able to walk into a convention and I would know everybody. I'd be like, "Yo, yo, yo, what's happening? What's happening?" So, yeah, yeah. Is, so is it then that an entire generation of tattooists, right? You know, our generation that was always at the shows, they've gone. Well, I think that's what's happened. I, I just think that I'm the last of my kind. You know, kind of walking around the convention, I feel like, oh, I'm I'm the last of you know my generation of tattoos. Yeah, yeah. They've all moved on to do other things, probably to make tattoo tutorial DVDs and then tell people, don't, well, once you've watched it and you've got all this information, don't you dare fucking use it for tattooing. Yeah, just no. give me the money for my teaching DVD. I mean, fuck me. Answer that and stay fashionable for fuck's sake. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Oh, when I started learning to play the guitar, me and my friends all bought guitars. Of the ten of us, I'm the only one that learned to play the guitar. We all had exactly the same opportunities, yeah. but guess what? It was just really hard. And and I think that you can take a hundred young people, 
give them a tattoo machine because they've got a fascination with art and you might, out of 100, you might get 10 tattooists. Yeah. Because it's called natural selection. It'll just be... Like it'll just do some people's heads in, or it's just not for them, or they don't enjoy the they don't enjoy the lifestyle or whatever. I don't think that we end up with a diluted, worse world for letting people letting people in through the non-traditional routes, if you want. I think actually it's better for the art form because it brings in people from all different areas with different cultural ideas, different artistic ideas, and art is fusion. And the more people that are putting into it, the, the, the stronger the art form becomes. Yeah. And ultimately, the other thing is, and I'm going to kind of end this episode with this, it doesn't matter what you think, it doesn't matter what you do, because based on the conversations I had with lots of young tattooists at the convention the weekend, realistically, my overview is this. You either get with the fucking programme or get out the way, Grandad, because these kids are going to come through you whether you like it or not. Because just like when we were the, the, the younger people... Like, there was nobody going to stop me doing what I was going to oh, do no and way. tattooing. And, and they're not going to do it either. So all that we can do is assist these people in going, look, tattooing, modern electric tattooing has been around for 131 years now. Uh, we can give you the information of what it was like at the turn of the century, what it was like in the 1980s, what it was like in the 2000s. And you can take from that what you want and br bring forward what you think is culturally relevant and dump the rest because that's what every single generation does. And it doesn't matter how much you try and stop these kids, they're, they're going to do it anyway because I would have. If the internet had been a really big thing and I could have learned on the internet when I was learning, fuck, man, I'd have been straight on there and learned everything. Probably would have taken me an afternoon. You know? well, that's another <laughs> conversation in itself. <laughs> I wanted to tell Paul this earlier, but I'm in the. I'm getting some new hats made. Are you? With the logo on, yeah, with the logo on. So if people like it, and we can get the price in, right? You might make a buy nice. So yeah, um, oh, the price pr has got to be right. We're gonna have to do beanies yeah, as well because I don't do caps. Beanies, We're caps. Do beanie. Doesn't fit on my words or gummy <laughs> We can do whatever you want. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> two seconds. Someone's at my door. Was at the door. UPS are here. Nipper had some inks delivered. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, Chris had a delivery. You know, we are... Yeah, while I think about it, we, we are recording this in actual tattoo studios because we do own tattoo studios yes. and we are professional tattooists. So you will have things like deliveries arriving and uh, quite often uh, my guys all shouting yeah. and screaming in the studio happen. in the other room. So you will hear a bit of background noise and tattoo machines going and, and people laughing and joking and... Moaning, you know, moaning mostly comes from us, you know. <laughs> Where were we? Before I go any further, I just want to make sure that we do give a nice shout out to our good friend Rob and our sponsor of the channel, uh, Electrum. Hey! If you don't know who Electrum are, they Electrum. are a company How that makes you? some awesome products. And one of them, which is my favourite, is this stuff. If it shows up, if you don't know what it is, it is a premium tattoo skin prep and stencil remover. This stuff is the bomb. I use it all the time. I actually don't even get this for free. I it's pay for this even though he sponsors the channel because... He, doesn't sp <laughs> he only sponsors the channel. He don't sponsor us. <laughs> and I don't blame him. <laughs> so yeah, thanks. We wouldn't be able to do... Well, we wouldn't be able to have the podcast version of this coming out if it wasn't for the help from Rob. So head over to Electrum website and Absolutely. Yeah, buy some shit. Help him help us help you. Yes. In all seriousness, that... 
it's worth mentioning the fact that this show can be done weekly on YouTube and monthly on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever it ends up is because of the help we get from our really good mate Rob he's good enough to get involved he, um, he's he been a big fan of the channel big supporter of the channel right from the beginning um, and we really appreciate him and we really appreciate you so thank you all for being here and getting involved it, it does yes, make a big difference that's why we always say you know. subscribe because the more you subscribe the more it helps us anyway before we fucking ramble on thanking everyone like we're doing an Oscar fucking speech like it's not an Oscar speech <laughs> oh, thank yeah. my fans who've been there for me from day one um, yes I'd like to thank God for making me an atheist <laughs> so yeah <laughs> yes how to improve your social media kind of reach or profile and should you even bother doing it in this day and age like you know, do you really need like 250,000 followers on Instagram you know if you're a tattooist what do you need how many should you have and you know what's the best way to do it and uh, Paul if you don't know he used to be a marketing person and he knows stuff about this so works in advertising so I I would ask him so Paul how do I improve my social media profile Uh, other than the obvious buying them okay so (laughs) yeah just buy a load of followers and pretend like most people do if you want to improve your social media profile there's a couple of like really quick simple things that you can do Um, all, all social media profiles that are big you have to have a thing called a USP which is a unique selling point so you don't need to worry about any of that what it basically means is if you're a tattoo there is no need to put photographs of your breakfast on your Instagram to show people that you just had an epic breakfast. If you're telling people about your tattooing, only show them pictures of your tattooing, right? And and just photograph your tattooing and make stories about your tattooing and have that one message that you put across to people. Because if you go, here's a picture of my dog, here's a picture of some beans on toast, here's a picture of a tattoo, here's a picture of my favourite car, here's a picture of my feet. People don't follow that kind of account because they're there looking at tattoos. That's their fascination. The thing about social media is you can drill down Right, you know, I mean, I follow hashtags that are like Gibson Explorer 1976. It's literally one year of a particular model of guitar, you know, and so I get shown pictures of just that. But then if I go to the profile and there's 150 photographs and there's only one photograph of this particular guitar that I'm looking at, I won't follow Mm. that account. If I went to that account and it was all pictures of that one guitar that I'm interested in, then I'd be more likely to follow that account and look at it, right? So be clear who you are and what it is that you're doing on social media. Social media doesn't have to be your entire life unless you're one of these kind of influencer people where it's all about your lifestyle. If that's not you, then just take pictures of your tattoos. And when you take pictures of your tattoos, do a bit of research, do a little bit of learning and take really nice pictures of your tattoos and don't fuck with them in Photoshop too much because, you you know, that just looks fake, right? Just take nice, clear, representative pictures of your your work that yeah, show it well in now instead of like obviously because people are like getting called out for using filters and photoshop right people have now started underexposing their photos to try and make them look darker and black more black and i'm like like why don't you just expose it properly because now i can barely see your fucking tattoo like yeah i mean that's no realistically it, it we'll talk specifically about tattooists and their you know like their social media you're putting out 
you know, work that says, I can do this to this quality. Uh, come yeah. and get a tattoo from me if you like the style of thing that I'm doing. And what you're doing needs to be representative. It needs to be nice. I mean, you need to take nice photographs, but you don't need to take unrealistic photographs or take a, a, a dodgy photograph and then edit it so much that it looks yeah. unrealistic. Like, because you will set your... Uh, you will set your clients up for disappointment. I'll, tell, I'll make an example, right? I'm trying to buy a house at the minute, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. As you know. And when I go online and I look at the photographs of the room in, in the house that I'm looking at, the room that I'm looking at in the photograph is on such a wide-angle lens that it looks 93 feet wide. And then when I get to the house to look round and realise that it's a four-foot-by-four-foot box, I'm horribly disappointed because the photograph gave me the impression that the yeah. room's enormous. So if you take a photograph and then edit it to the point that it's beyond your abilities or even anybody's abilities, right? When your client gets a tattoo, if they've only seen these heavily edited pictures, they're going to be massively disappointed. You might get lots of followers on the internet, but you might not get many yeah, clients. Yeah, that, that's the you thing, might, isn't it? You know, they, or you might, you might tattoo somebody once, but they won't come back. Everything that you do has to be representative of your abilities. Don't lie to people. That's you know that that that's the truth of it. It's just don't lie to people and tell them this is what I do. Focus on the one aspect of your life that pe- you want people to follow you for, and only show them that. Really drill down into it and keep the other stuff. If if you really love taking photographs of your food, then make another account where you just have a second account where you go Paul's food yeah. photos or something. You know that do something separate, right? Now. Or you can approach it, um, and I think I think doing it that way is the best if you want to have some kind of profile. Now, how many clients or how many followers do you need to have to have a career in tattooing? Right. Well, I would say if you've got fifteen hundred followers on, say, Instagram or combined across a few so- social media places, what you should basically be doing, Google this, you can look it up, right? It's called the Thousand Fans Theory. If you're speaking to a thousand people who love your work, all you need to do is to really look after those people and give them, you know, nice pictures and the information that they need. And th- th- those thousand fans are enough for you to have a career. There's a whole music thing built around that, you know, that a band can have a great career with only a thousand fans. And it's the same for a tattooist. So one of the guys that I work with, Reese, he's on his Instagram, right? And he, he doesn't really post that often. He's got 1,536 followers on Instagram, right? And he's flat He's busier than some tattooists I know that I've got, again, 20, 30, 200,000 followers. You know, when I'm, when I'm online and I'm seeing, you know, massive big name tattoo artists that are struggling to work because they've, they've just, they've got, they've not got anyone. And then they know about doing like, they're trying to kind of sell other tattoo artists like these online seminars for, again, for $500 and stuff just so they can pay their bills. And you look at it and think like, do you, and that's why I want, that's why I said, like, do you really need it? Because like, you know, if somebody's got 250,000 followers, right, and they're financially struggling, but then somebody who I work with is, who's my business, one of my business partners has got, only got 1,500 followers on Instagram, and is way busier and more financially stable than somebody yeah. that's got 
250,000 followers. So does it matter? Do you need it? I don't think it does. I think ultimately you've got to be clear. You've got to be clear about what you do. You've got to be clear about what you're selling because we're all selling something, right? So if, if, you're, if tattoos are your business, then you should be taking really nice pictures of tattoos, putting them up, put them up regularly. Um, and by regularly, I mean just put the. If you only post once a month, make sure you post on the same day at the same time. That's the other thing is like algorithms and all that. They like schedules, right? So for me personally, I post Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right at 9 p.m. And then at the weekend. I put all of the posts from my social media feed up on my story because some people only scroll the stories. So at the weekends, you can scroll yeah. through the story and get a summary of what I've done in the week. And I do that every single week at the same time. So the algorithms kind of like that because they, they yeah. can get a handle on it and all that sort of stuff. It takes a few weeks for it to kick in, for it to know that that's what you're doing. It doesn't matter if you post every day, if you post every week, if you post every month. As long as you do it regular and, you know, at the same time, like a schedule, this algorithm, which is a computer, basically looking at it, goes, oh, well, this is when that happens. So And it will start showing it. You don't really need to... Um, I don't think you really need to worry about playing no. that game of like it's got to be this and it's got to be that. I think if you know if you just do nice work with and you photograph it well and you tell people about it, I think you'll be absolutely fine. You don't need to have enormous numbers. Now, the other side of that is there's an industry about big numbers, and this is part of what we're in as yeah. that tattoo show, right? So companies. You know, if they're offering sponsorships and endorsements and all this sort of stuff, that's their first question is how, how many followers have you got? And we have this all the time with some companies. You know, we'll reach out to do a review. First question comes back, how many subscribers have you got? And it's all about the numbers. And the, I think that some tattooists think that it's all about the numbers to be successful. It's not. It's only all about the numbers if you want to get a load of free products and sponsorship, right? In which case, you just fucking buy a load and tell them you've got fucking three million followers and they'll just give them because nobody ever checks, right? But, and that's a whole other, that's a whole other economy that I'm not into. I think it's an absolute load of cobblers. I don't think sponsorships in tattooing make any difference. I don't, not, not a company sponsoring a tattoo artist because I don't believe anybody's ever bought a fucking tattoo machine just because I use it. It's not, it's, absolute and this is from a marketing person if i was working in a tattoo company i'd be like nah this this is fucking nonsense no i get what it you're makes saying. no sense it's it's a complete but I waste think with of time that side of things as well and from my own experience i've never had um like when i've had sponsorship deals with companies i i feel like they've never really been like a proper sponsorship and, and what, what i mean by that is like no one has sat me down and gone right this is your contract this is what we expect from you this is what we will give for you you know, it's really done, and it's always been in tattooing like a gentleman's handshake. It's like we'll give you some free shit if you turn around and you fucking hashtag it in everything, and you can only exclusively use our products. And like we've had this discussion before, like if like if you want me to exclusively only use your products, you have to pay me for it, or make some, or at least make something that is bang on exactly what I want. But ultimately, if that's not what you're interested in, if you just want to do tattoos and work every day that you want to work, what you should be doing is get your 1,500 fans, ask them to join the mailing list, communicate with them directly, talk to them, offer them deals and offers, and offer it to them first, uh, and look after them like they're a fan club, 
club and and you'll be absolutely mm. fine I done a, I done a competition before the pandemic uh, kicked off and it was like you know share my page and somebody's going to win a free hat, palm sized tattoo you know I do it every now and then but the yeah. guy messaged me the other day and he was like oh yeah is that still standing I was like yeah it's not your fault you haven't been able to come in we've been in the yeah. pandemic well I do stuff like anything anything that I've got coming out my mailing list generally know about it about a month before and then if I've got a new print that I've that I've put out they get a discount that I put out to my mailing list they get the discount codes and only they mm. get the discount codes they're not put up online they're not put up on any of my social media so that anybody that's on the list knows that if there's any kind of discount or late space or a free day, it might be that there's a tattoo that I really want to do, and like I just want to, I just want to do it in a day, single day hit. Uh, do you know what? I'll do it for free. The only place that people can find out about that and look is yeah. my mailing list. Like if I'm travelling, I'm doing a guest spot, I'm doing a convention. It's all offered to them yeah. first, and that's only. You know, that's only like 1,500 people that have subscribed that, that don't mind me sending them an email every month. And But that's that's how I deal with, or that's how I c- communicate with those people. They're people that have allowed me to write to them. And so membership has its yeah. benefits, right? You know, and I think that that's, you have to look at it like that. Don't look at, at the big numbers because that's all to do with marketing and brands and all of that sort of stuff. Think about you know, get a thousand fans and if they, you know, and work out how many fans, you know, if you charge £500 a day, a thousand people giving you a £500 every year, it's pretty good living. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not bad. You know what I mean? It's, it's not bad not bad money at all. And you just, you just got to set understand what it is that you're going for. Set your goal first. If you're an influencer and you want to work with all these brands, you know, they're going to want numbers, right? And they're going to want them numbers to be big because, well, you yeah, know, they, that's that's how their world them. works. But it's not how the, our world works. You know, it works for them because they want massive amounts of reach. This is, if you've got bigger numbers, you've got bigger reach, right? That won't... I don't believe any of that changes your waiting list no. at all. You know, I, I didn't really post on social media for two years and I'm still booked exactly the same length of time in advance yeah. as before. It, it doesn't actually change your business, you know. So you got to think Do about it like that. Do you think people are too tight into you know, it? And remember, social media... Yeah, you remember social media, right? Do you think people are too tied in with this 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 notion that you know having a big online profile is going to mean you're going to get lots of clients? Because I've I've always thought about this like as a as a now as a business owner, but before I was a business owner when I was just working in the studio, I was, I was always like they used to put advertisements in tattoo magazines, and I used to be like. Like, why are you paying to advertise in a magazine that you know only tattoo people are going to watch, or sorry, not watch, but read? I'm like, why, surely it would be more, like, cost-effective to put an advertisement in, like, a local newspaper and or a completely different magazine? Because, you know, you could have, like, I don't know, let's just say you're, you're into fishing, <laughs> and you like you like really like tattooing fish, and you're like fuck it, I'm gonna put like adverts in a fishing magazine, and then you got all these fish anglers weekly, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll get more business from there, new clients than yeah. you will. And like, obviously, it's good to support tattoo magazines because it's part of the industry. Like, but from a industry, yeah. business perspective, I was always like, isn't it better just to pay to put an advert in your local newspaper? Well, I mean, or in you, I don't know if you know, I don't know if I told this, but like for. 
all the time that you know that I've I've been tattooing, uh, because most of my audience don't come from the world of tattooing, they come from you know the world of graphic design and music. I I put adverts in guitar magazines all the time. Right, I just advertise in, in music mags because a lot of my clients are musicians. So why would I adv- advertise in a tattoo magazine? Because I ask them and they go, oh, I don't read tattoo magazines. And I go, well, then my audience isn't reading that magazine and that's why I don't advertise in them. Now I advertise for the shop in those mags, partly because I like to support the industry and partly because it's good yeah. for the shop. But for me personally, for getting new clients... I, I run adverts in music mags, oh, and that's the way it is. I think the problem is that social media, the way it works is they have to get us all chasing this idea of loads of followers because it means that we'll put yeah. loads of content up there and we'll work really hard to, and let's be honest, to build their platform, right? Yeah. And, and and so that's to, their, that's to their benefit. It's not to our benefit, right? If you look at it and go, you know, a couple of thousand people following me on the internet, that's enough for me to have a six-month waiting list. Job done. There you go. You know, that's all you yeah. need to get. But they want you to think that you need a million followers to have any, to have any kind of clout or reach. But that's only true if you're running some kind of social media business. Like, you know, like this, we have to think about this sort of stuff because we're dealing with brands and brands want, they want numbers, right? That's why we fucking ask you to subscribe because that helps us get products for Chris to review. But if we weren't doing that, we don't need to worry about it, right? But yeah, but even then, like, you know, people will turn around and be like, oh, you get, like someone said, oh, fucking, one of the boys looked at my machine drawer the other day and they're like, fucking hell, you've got loads of machines. And I'm like, yeah, but like... Even though I've get sent machines by companies, like the amount of money that we've put into making these videos, yeah, like just it's a lot of getting, effort. Just to get a product shot the other day, I, I spent like you know ninety quid on a, a turntable. Just for one shot. For one shot, yeah. For me. So if that's not what you want to get into as a tattooist, you don't need to worry about that. You just need to yeah. get yourself a thousand fans, look after them really well. Get a, and, and when I say a thousand fans, I don't mean a thousand just casual followers. I mean a thousand hardcore fans, right? People that really love what you do. And then, and yes. then what you do is you really, really look after them. Simple as that. That's all you got to do. Take really, do really nice tattoos. Take really nice representative pictures. Uh, only put them on your social media. No pictures of your dog. No pictures of beans on toast. And tell people what it is. And when you get a thousand hardcore fans, really, really look after them. Offer them discounts and freebies and you know and all that sort of stuff. And you'll be absolutely fine. And that's it. Top done. And so, with that. Thanks for joining us uh, on this sunny Sunday morning. I'm going to presume it's sunny by the time I put this out. Uh, And if you're listening to us on the podcast, uh, thanks very much for listening. I've been Paul. And I've been Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell. (laughs) And uh, this has been That Tattoo Show. Thanks very much, guys. Don't forget to subscribe because, like I've just told you, we need the numbers. Ta-da. (laughs) Ta-da.